This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode number 12. I'm P.F. Wilson, content director for Cincy Shirts and our sibling site, OldSchoolShirts.com. Today on our show, Jimmy McLaughlin from FC Cincinnati. Right when you think, like, okay, you can't get better than this Columbus game, you know, like, that was awesome. This has been a great run. I mean, then I think the Chicago Fire game might have been the best soccer game of all time. Oh like, just, every, just how the game played out, all the chances for both teams, just... The energy in the stadium, and then obviously the storybook penalty kick shootout with the Mitch Hildebrandt save to, to win the thing. FC Cincinnati is our soccer team, or football club, as our friends around the world might say. They are FCC for short, and they play in the United Soccer League, or USL, which is the second tier of the sport in North America. Well, the U.S. and Canada, anyway. Mexico has their own separate league system. Uh, anyway, USL is just behind Major League Soccer, or MLS, in the uh, soccer pyramid here in the U.S. and Canada. Jimmy has played for MLS in the Philadelphia Union, uh, that's his hometown team, and he has played in the Queen City for the past three seasons. He joined FCC right from the start. Also joining us on the show today, Kevin and Andrew from The Pride, that is the FC Cincinnati fan group, and they lent their soccer expertise and knowledge to the conversation, and we wound up having a great chat with Jimmy about uh, FCC and his start in Philadelphia, playing briefly in college, and uh, well, let's talk to Jimmy. Cincinnati, Cincinnati. She came down Cincinnati. Just maybe think of me once in a while. I'm at CincyShirts.com in Cincinnati. So yeah, thanks for coming, Jimmy. It's good to be here. In the middle of the season, or not in the middle of the season, beginning of the season. Yeah. I wasn't sure you guys have any availability, but uh you guys uh, are all kind of around the the metro area, right? You're not you're not commuting out to yeah, no, no, Lanesville uh... or anything like that. <laughs> you can afford the housing here in uh, beautiful Cincinnati. We, we make it work, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. So yeah, so you are one of the few players who's been here since the beginning. Before we get up to the, the FC time in your life, FC Cincinnati. I mean, tell us a little bit about you know growing up. How'd you get here? I mean, how much time you got, you know? <laughs> so I'm not sure how long this podcast is going, but... Yeah. No, I, uh, so I'm from outside of Philadelphia, like uh, maybe 20, 20 miles west of the city, kind of near the Villanova area. I mean, shout out to Villanova basketball after another national championship, you know? So played soccer all growing up, just really enjoyed the game, loved it since I was young, kind of always wanted to be a professional soccer player. It was kind of like the, the dream, you know, like every little kid says. I guess when I was maybe a sophomore in high school, the Philadelphia Union came around town. I got an MLS team. And then that was kind of like the first time there was like a, a pathway or like a possibility to become a, a pro. Um, and then they put out a youth team when I guess I was going into my senior year of high school. And they kind of selected a lot of the just the best local players from the area. So they picked a, f- a few guys from my club team, FC Delco, which is who I played for. Uh, all growing up, um, some guys from like central Pennsylvania, like PA Classics, and some New Jersey guys, and, and everything like that. And uh, I was the captain of the first ever Philadelphia Union youth team, and we went to uh, nice. the, the Sum Cup, where all the other MLS teams play each other. And that kind of was the 
the start of like the the journey with the union. Um, I guess in the fall, I had my high school season and my FC Delco season, and then I started. They asked me to come start practicing with them a little bit, and I played in a couple of reserve games, which they had back in the day. Basically, the the guys that didn't play on the on the weekend would play the next day, just kind of um, get some minutes and, and keep them sharp and everything. So I played in those games. And then there were a couple big international friendlies that summer against uh, Everton and Real Madrid that they invited me to play in. So I played in those and, and trained with them all throughout the summer. And I was going to college in the fall. I mean, I committed my junior year to go play at Colgate University. And kind of right before I went, I was about to go to Colgate, they had offered me a, a contract to, to play professionally. They didn't want me to go to college. At that time, it was an easy decision. I mean, I already had, had made the commitment to go to Colgate, and I really wanted to go to college and experience it and everything. So I said, uh, not right now. It's not the right time for me. I'd, obviously, this is my dream to play for you guys, my hometown team. Ended up going to college, had a, a great semester at Colgate. I mean, I wasn't there too long. It was almost just like a, a summer camp. Um, but no, I had a blast. I mean, I got to kind of have like a little taste of, I don't know, what everybody says is the, the best time of your life. And um, yeah. met some awesome people. The team, we did really well. We won the Patriot League Championship, uh, went to the NCAA Tournament. But then after that, like, I mean, I had gone from playing against Everton and Real Madrid in the summer to playing against, I mean, college teams. It's just a little different. The union came back after my season and they said, listen, like, we really, really want you to sign. Like, here's a, a, it was a, a better contract than what they had initially offered. And just kind of thought to myself, I don't know, like, how often do you get this chance, you know? And I'm like, I didn't know what was going to happen next year or who knows if they changed their mind on me or something. So basically, I just, I just went with it. I said, screw it. And, uh, Signed the contract and uh, left to play professional. I mean, I got some some schooling allotment in there, which was important for my my parents. <laughs> did and, you go to school at all? My mom. Or did you go to yeah. class at all? I mean, I mean, yeah, when you I was at Colgate, college, but yeah, uh, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure what the attendance records was. I, I actually, I actually overslept one final, which Making was pretty bad. Ooh, that nice. was actually a disaster. Uh, I, I think it was like an internet. No, it was a. Uh, I think it was a sociology final. Actually, yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure what happened. I was. Just happened to oversleep it, you know, and had to go meet with the dean and stuff to find a way to let me get in there because I was going <laughs> to fail the class if I failed the final. So it all worked out, you know. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Long story short, played four years in Philadelphia. I mean, I kind of thought it was it was like like a dream come true, you know. I'm the hometown kid playing for the team there. I'm 18 years old. I mean, all my friends are still local and everything, and. Sheesh. Kind of thought it was just going to be like, okay, I'll play for Philadelphia for a few years and then go over to Barcelona. And like, <laughs> it just didn't go like that at all, though. I mean, uh, I mean, it was a kind of, I don't know, like a reality check, maybe. I mean, you don't realize like how, how good it is at the top level until you get there. And quickly I was humbled and learned that I had to get a lot, lot better to, to, to be a top player at, at that level. And I mean, the coaching change, there were several coaching changes and uh, kind of there was a lot of pressure on the coaches to, to get wins um, at the time. And they, they weren't really looking to play young players. I mean, these guys were trying to keep their jobs. So I didn't get a ton of opportunities and, and didn't play as much as I would like to. Kind of, uh, it was a bit brutal on my confidence and just kind of like my overall love for the game, honestly. Like it was just, it was really tough. And um, after four years, I mean, I I had a three-year contract, signed a like a fourth-year extension, essentially. Um, still didn't really get a chance. Played like I don't know, I don't even know how many total, but I played like one game that last season. Um, and I was kind of like at the point where I'm like, okay, well, what do I do now? Like it, it went pretty poorly there. Looking around for other opportunities, like 
there were some, but nothing like really great or concrete. And uh, kind of found out about Cincinnati through a couple different things. I had a, a family friend who was close with John Harps, who was just announced the head coach. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I knew Austin Berry really well, and I knew Corbin Bone really well, and I'd seen that they signed there. Um, and there were some rumors about how this team was going to try to do things the right way um, and, and pump a lot of money into it and, and become an MLS team, and that was obviously attractive to me. So agent got in touch, just kind of all worked out and came out here not really knowing what to expect. And, uh, I mean, it's been kind of a life-changing experience for me, and it's been in, an incredible two, in a, I don't know, quarter year so far. So, yeah. um, no, it's been a blast, and that's kind of the, the I remember story. That, that first year when you guys uh... – you know, started, you know, everyone's kind of getting used to, oh, we have a soccer team now, or what's that all about? And then you guys would show up at different places around town, like you're in a parade here, you would show up at a Bunbury, or I don't know, it was like, it, it seemed like you guys were like, almost like missionaries that they just dropped off in the middle of a, some, some <laughs> land that you guys didn't know anybody, and you guys like walked around in a pack, and so now, I don't know, it feels like everybody's, uh, has accepted you guys, and... I don't know. I I, I just kind of remember that, and it's like, wow, you know, here's the new the new soccer guys, and uh, yeah, I know. Sure. I, I saw anyway. a few of them at the uh, Cincinnati Auto Expo, which was super random. Was I did that one. I can't remember. I think we had maybe three people come up to us all weekend. Yeah, and I was a fan, and even I walked by like that's awkward. It is crazy though how much it's changed though, and I mean, we got a lot of new pieces on the team this year, and and they have only seen it as what it is now, which is obviously a massive club in America, but. Year one, like, no one knew what to expect. I mean, oh, yeah. we had no idea. I mean, I remember them telling me when I first came to Cincinnati, right when I was moving my stuff in, they were saying, yeah, we're hoping to get five to 8,000 or something right. like that. And at that time, like, in USL, I'm like, okay, like, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll be happy with two to 3,000. That'd be really good. And I remember showing up for the first ever home game against Charlotte. And, it, like, we weren't sure. Like, the night before, I remember talking with some of the guys about it. Like, we're... Who, like, we don't know how many are going to show up. Like it could be ten thousand, it could be five thousand. Then I think it was ended up being fourteen, yeah, 14 eight or something. Yeah, yeah. and at it that was cold too. It was freezing. Yeah, yeah. yeah that sucked. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I remember at that time that was like unbelievable. Right. We're like, wow, like this is something legit, and it's just has gotten better and better and grown and grown. But it's a lot different than it was that first season. I mean. Sitting there, auto expo <laughs> yeah, in the sure. back corner. They're like right. almost hiding us. Right, right. <laughs> uh, soccer's weird. Let's let's hide yeah, that. Yeah. Put them by the Let's do some charity and invite these guys to sign some autographs. Right, you know? right. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I remember walking into the FC Cincinnati offices when we uh, approached them about you know a licensing deal. Number one, they're like, "What are you guys talking about? We already have screen printers." We're like, "No, no, no. We don't want. We don't want." to print all your shirts i mean sure we like that but we more than anything we'd like to do what we do with your logos but anyway they had a, a huge mural of the stadium all you know all packed out yeah. and obviously photoshopped and you know they had like, <laughs> you'd see like the same fan copy and pasted a couple times and i don't know i mean i guess some junior designer really tried on that but i was like wow <laughs> yeah. but i mean like since, <laughs> right. since, since then all the amazing Real photos of like the fan experiences and whatnot, you know, that, that go on in the stadium is, uh, it really is, it is crazy. Um, yeah, that mural is terrible, by the way. That, yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say that mural is infamous in that office. Have you looked at it closely? Like, the players are like facing the wrong direction. I think there's like three balls on the field. Like, <laughs> there's three balls. I think there's like 40 guys actually on the field. Yeah, like, you add them all up. It's bizarre. <laughs> it's, <laughs> not sure you got that commission, but <laughs> what is kind of funny though is looking at that mural is how much things have happened. Like, there's like 
on field suites there and it's like that's stupid and oh we have those <laughs> yeah, this year yeah. there's digital signboards all right well you know in, a, yeah. in, in you know a decade that'll happen and, and we got those this year it's just like each little thing on there that was so stupid in a lot of ways you know three years ago like this is very aspirational we've like checked a lot of those boxes yeah. which i think it's kind of funny and i remember when mad tree was the first one to pop up down by the goal and yeah. i was like whoa we actually have a sponsor now like we're legit and <laughs> Yeah. Look at it now, it's just crazy. <laughs> yeah, or a point you've brought up before, which is uh, we, we knew we made it as like a Cincinnati sports team, a Cincinnati institution when we saw the first scalper yeah. outside. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, people want to scalp these tickets? This is incredible. Right. This is like a real thing now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows if he's making any money, but hey, <laughs> with the effort. He's out there with a sign. That, that'll yeah. work. The effort is there. That is for sure. So when you were growing up, MLS was it was that already in existence or it was just, yeah okay because there was a we had a gap for a long time in this country and in North America of no outdoor soccer yeah from 1984 until MLS got back I think together. MLS came back in 96 yeah. okay um, so but up until that time I mean were you were a soccer fan before or after that I mean yeah I mean I was born in 93 so, okay. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, so he's technically still playing youth soccer all right. <laughs> yeah but I mean <laughs> honestly like, even when I was growing up like there wasn't a lot of MLS there really wasn't any MLS on TV um, yeah. I mean the only thing was like Freddie Adu playing for DC United that like had a little oh, buzz yeah, yeah. I remember when I was in elementary school but I mean, that that wasn't really a career path at that point. Like, MLS at that time was like... Did you follow so, European soccer, or was it just like, yeah, not just yeah, the thing? Yeah, okay. no, so the big thing for me that I, I really remember, I mean, obviously I watched a lot of European soccer, but kind of the what started it all off was, I guess, the 2002 World Cup. I mean, that was like the first, like, big televised thing I remember watching, um, and that kind of like, I don't know, started like the, like the dream and like the passion where I'm really like, okay, like, this is what I want to do. Um, so then after that, I mean, I started following European soccer and everything, and um, it, as I grew up, became more and more prevalent, and you could watch it pretty much on TV any single day. Um, I think I remember Gold TV and, like, Fox Soccer Channel <laughs> were, like, the two. They were, like, back-to-back oh, yeah. and spent a lot of times on that, but... The good old days. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy even if you look at MLS, though. Like, where MLS is now compared to what it was when I was growing up is completely different. So it's, uh, it's not only... The growth of FC Cincinnati, I mean, is incredible, but the growth of just soccer in general in America has been has been nuts. So, so a fun Jimmy McLaughlin fact. Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, your first sub on professionally was for Freddie Adu. Right? Yeah, that is right. Yeah, oh, I think what a that. great tidbit. Uh, oh my gosh! Wow. <laughs> Someone's doing their homework, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have a Wikipedia. Page. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we were looking at Still. it a couple <laughs> seconds ago. See, that's a tricky one though, because that was in that was in the U.S. Open Cup, which I guess is technically my first professional appearance but but it was for freddie Adu. yeah it was crazy. for freddie Adu. but then my first mls appearance like that's where i'm not i mean i guess that is the first one mm-hmm. um i think the first mls appearance i signed on for danny cruz so there's another okay you know, oh, little nice. fun fact there mm-hmm. nice so yeah i'm surprised you know that one <laughs> <laughs> speaking of the u.s open cup tell us about that last year <laughs> i mean that was uh Unbelievable. I mean, <laughs> when I really think back at it, and I mean, I've obviously watched the highlights and stuff. A bunch <laughs> Once of or twice. Um, I mean, it was honestly something like incredible, like unbelievable. I mean, everything uh, about it was was so special and. Just kind of the even think about it, the fact that we won the coin flip to get the home games that many times oh, yeah. is also right. ridiculous. Oh, yeah. um, I mean, you look back even at the first game and that that Open Cup run. I mean, we kind of played. Uh, 
a mixed lineup essentially. And um, against Cleveland, yeah, I think yeah. Cleveland AFC and you went into overtime in that game. Yeah, too, it wasn't right? an easy yeah. game. Oh, you know? I was terrified. They were the NPSL champs, and if you were going to pick a lower division amateur team to you know snipe one of the USL teams, that would have been the team you would have picked. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're third tier. It's technically fourth it's like a college at that point. Team. It was like yeah. good college players and yeah. playing the summer. But yeah, we I mean I remember GB scored an extra time in that. Yeah. Move on. And then we we had Louisville at home, which was a massive game. And yeah. uh we were I mean, obviously we're all hoping to to play against Columbus. Like that was the whole the yep. whole yeah. lineup the whole time. Like, that was like kind of the goal. Because I remember the first season, if we would have beat Tampa away in the open mm-hmm. cup, we would have hosted Columbus at home. So everybody was kind of itching for that. And then we beat Louisville at home. And then finally, the Columbus game is like the, like, this is going to be the biggest deal. And honestly, like, everybody, I'm sure, in the city was thinking, okay, well, like, we get Columbus yeah. at home. This is awesome. Like, hopefully, it's a good game. Yeah, you know, it's like, cute. Yeah, hopefully, we lose by five. Like, kind of, though. That's probably what people were thinking. And then we come out and we beat Columbus, you know? And then it's like, wait, we got another home game against another MLS team, like, in the yeah. same kind of region? Yeah. And at the time, Chicago Fire was, like, the top team in MLS. Yeah. And, yep. I mean, Bastion Schweinsteiger was just signed. <laughs> We were all like following his Instagram. Like, is is Bastion gonna yeah, come? Yeah, is yeah. he gonna come? Oh my god, that's a photo from Covington. Yeah. He's here. <laughs> I remember seeing that picture tweeted. Everybody was searching it, and then I mean, right when you think like, okay, you can't get better than this Columbus game, you know? Like that was awesome. Right. This has been a great run. I mean, then I think the Chicago Fire game might have been the best soccer game of all oh time. My like, god. yeah, um, just every just how the game played out, all the chances for both teams, just. The energy in the stadium, and then obviously the storybook penalty kick shootout with the Mitch Hildebrand saved to, to win the thing, and the, everybody rushing the field. I mean, oh it, it was iconic, honestly, for yeah. the team and the city. And so here's a question: and you got the Weedman uh, shirt off. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, the you, almost you goal. Can't forget about that. The Weedman yellow card celebration. I'll never see. If you look Dang. back at that video, I mean, he comes to like I go to celebrate with him, and I like kind of check my shoulder to see if he's off sides. <laughs> And I see yeah. the guys his his flag up and Weeda's like mid check, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't have the heart to tell him. I just flip a U turn and stuff. <laughs> like, can't be the one to bring that bad news. So you're to right him. there. Was he on sides? He was 100 percent on sides. It's actually a terrible call. If you yeah. go uh, watch yeah, the video, there were handballs and everything they were missing in that game. Yeah, there was a handball at the end of the at the end of the 90th, I guess, regular time as well. We found a way, though, you know? Uh, <laughs> I think it made for, uh, I feel for Weeda, though, because that's a massive moment, you know? And, yeah. I mean, yeah. he, he, it's a legit goal. He, deser- he deserves to have that. He'll always remember it. He's too. like, they took but, it from uh, me, so I'm going back to college. <laughs> you know, to be fair, now I can just make fun of them for that. <laughs> yeah, so, made for a good Badger Party t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it, did. it did. Yeah, we did do the, the, the shirt for his, his Badger Party uh, based on that. We'll post that on the blog here uh, when we release the podcast, but... Yeah, that that whole uh, thing was crazy. I mean, it's like, it's a, so probably one player on the Chicago Fire, you know, it, it, what's he make a year compared to? I mean, probably like our whole team salary for sure. <laughs> he, oh. he probably doubles. I mean, their two DPs to, probably would pay for you know. Yeah, I mean, a ML, years what kind of, of USL. <laughs> what kind of money are MLS guys? Uh, what league minimums like? Fifty-five thousand nowadays. Your high-end guys, like the top, top, top guys, are making like five, six, seven million a year. Really? Your middle-of-the-road guys are anywhere from say eighty to two hundred thousand a year, somewhere in there. Man. So yeah, and we schooled them. <laughs> <laughs> so here's a question about that penalty kick you took. Yeah. So in that moment, with that many people, you're walking up in such a big game. Uh, you buried it bottom left corner. Yeah. Were you planning on that ahead of time, or was it situational when you walked? I out? was going to go left no matter what. I mean, we obviously were practicing penalty kicks and everything. I mean, the whole kind of run up and uh, 
I actually usually go to the right. Like, that's kind of been my preferred side. But uh, just, I don't know, it kind of felt right. I was hitting it good to that spot. and um, so it, had, it had nothing to do with where the keeper was? No, no. Like so, I mean, sometimes guys go up there and they'll, like, read the goalie. But honestly, like, in a situation like that where, like, to be fair, like, we're all, like, pretty nervous during that. Like, sure. Like, no, like, yeah. like, everyone's going to say, oh, yeah, like, I'm the man. I want to walk up there. <laughs> Come on, get out of here. Like, yeah. everyone's like, like, we're all, no one wants to go to penalty kicks. I guarantee that. Right. And um, especially in that situation where sure. it's, like, the most possible pressure. Um, so, no, I kind of just picked my spot and I remember thinking, I mean, I, I trusted my shot there and I'm going to put it there. And listen, even if the goalie goes that way, I, I think it's going to go in. And if he happens to make a great save, then okay, right. good for him, you know. But luckily, I mean, it went uh, right in the bottom corner and I think he even dove the wrong way. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I remember standing there and like, whatever, we have the. Like it's a, it's ner- like you're definitely nervous, you know, but it's also like this is kind of like what you train for. And this is like obviously a massive moment to. It's kind of like go down in history. Like people sure. are going to talk about that. So obviously, I, I wanted to step up and take one of the penalty kicks. And um, I mean, a couple of the other guys do, and some guys don't feel comfortable in that situation. So it's kind of mm. tough finding that five. And you can practice all you want and whatever in front of nobody. But when you get in front of thirty-five thousand people, <laughs> and, oh, and it was on ESPN, I mean, it's much different, you know. So, so were the five takers decided? Right then and there, or was that decided way ahead of time? Yeah, it was decided on the field. I mean, I think, I mean, we did take many penalty kicks that I think they documented, so they had an idea of who right. it was going to be. But I mean, the reality is, if you're on the field at that point, maybe someone's cramping up, or they're too right. tired, or they just Nervous. don't want to take it. Like everything changes in the right. moment. So I mean, they kind of act like they they have an idea what they want, but they're also like, who's comfortable taking it? Right. Um, right. So I remember Alan asking around just kind of trying to see and you put the guys who are comfortable kind of put their hands up he chooses from them and then he he puts us in order hmm. but yeah i mean i remember going after schweinstein i was gonna say he shuts the bailey he shuts the bailey <laughs> and i remember i mean i remember i was like pretty just in, in general pretty nervous until i started running up and then once i run it ran up like you've been doing your whole life go up there and yeah put it in the back of the net and scream really loud and, <laughs> and celebrate so oh, so, did, so did mitch study those they're their players to know their tendencies when they take penalty kicks. Yeah, so, I doubt that their goalie studied FC Cincinnati's guys. Yeah, I mean, so before every game, I mean, we you kind of have like a primary penalty kick taker that takes most of them, and I mean, I think theirs was Nikolic or whatever his name is. He won the MLS Golden Boot last year, so I remember the coaches had specifically scouted him just for the normal general game. You know, I mean, we knew he. I think he had taken like three or four penalty kicks that year, and I'd gone bottom right on every single one. So he was the guy I think who took their first penalty. Mitch saved the first one. So that one was that one was scouted. But after that, I mean, you don't really know. Like, some of these guys haven't taken penalty kicks, so, like, you don't know where they're going to go. Um, so a lot of it was kind of Mitch reading reading the players. But the uh, the first one was 100% scouted. And a lot – I mean, every game we have a, a scout on them. So um, I'd say, for the most part, the goalkeeper's going where the scout says. Hmm. But, yeah, I mean, it was uh, – <laughs> something something yeah, special especially because i think we went down originally and then mitch makes a save to tie it up and yeah oh my gosh yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's, not not to call anybody out but quinn skying the first oh, one yeah. i was like oh well we had a good run yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And to be honest like aiden's like one of the best penalty kicker he was one oh. of the best penalty kickers on the team i mean he's got an incredible left foot and uh yeah but i mean you think in that moment you're like oh no like You've seen it happen so many yeah. times. But then once Mitch saves that, like, yeah, right the, now, yeah, I, yeah. I knew we were going to win after that. The momentum completely changed. <laughs> like, every, like, I feel like situations like that are very momentum-based, and, and that changed the entire tie of the, of the situation. So how long do they have to decide? You're saying they 
guys, you know, who's comfortable. The coach goes around and decides who's. But how much time? Does Not he, much. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's got to be. I don't know, two three minutes. Oh like I don't even know what the the turnaround is. I mean, there's like a coin flip, but it's pretty quick. So I mean, you you know pretty fast if you're going to be one of the guys to step up and take it. Did he name like you 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 or did he say who wants it and then choose from that group? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to remember specifically, but I'm pretty sure. He said, who, who wants, like, who's comfortable taking one, obviously. Some guys pick, raise their hand, and then he picked, and then he put us in order. So I think Weta was going to take the fifth one, actually. So I'm, I think it was Aiden, huh. Josu, Harry, me, yeah. Weta. So, like, you pick your first five, and then after that, like, those guys really probably don't want to be taking them. Like, <laughs> right. that's the reality, because then it goes one, 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 one. Right. So I don't even know who six was or seven or anything like that, but I know Weta was, was five. So if Mitch didn't uh, make the iconic save, I mean, maybe Weta would have taken his shirt off for a second time. And saw <laughs> oh, yeah. So but, he's uh, twice denied being yeah, the hero yeah, of that game. I know. It's, it is brutal. <laughs> so playing teams like Chicago and Columbus in the Cup and also doing the friendly uh, against Crystal Palace and, and teams like that, do you, does that kind of steadily improve you? Do you guys get to see, oh, this is... You know, this is how the the better team. I mean, you've had experience on an MLS team, but for the other guys, maybe haven't. Does that help them kind of improve their game even ever so slightly? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's uh, it's a different match when you're playing against that. I mean, yeah. I think you look at a lot of MLS rosters, and our roster is unique for sure. But I think maybe the top eleven players on an MLS roster are better players for the most part. But after that, I mean there's a, a big drop-off. So it's like the, the bench players on an MLS team or even the reserves are like, a lot of them wouldn't make our team. Like our team's very strong, you know? So it's like, but the difference is these top guys who are on these DP contracts, are, they're a different class. So like they're, like you go out there, a lot of guys are maybe a little better, like pretty similar, but then you get a guy like Schweinsteiger who like is obviously just a different level. Um, so when you can see a guy like him up close, I mean, it really is, uh, it's a learning experience. Yeah, he's like a big, I mean, solid dude. Yeah. You know, he wasn't a little skinny. No, no, no. He, he's a beast. But <laughs> it's even more like than that. I mean, it's, <laughs> like, it's like his decision-making. It's, like it's his first touch. Like, he doesn't make any mistakes. Like, it's it's different. Like, the, he stands out. Um, so that's kind of the big thing, the big takeaways from that. But obviously, we played Crystal Palace and, and Valencia, where every single player on those teams is on that level. So it's an awesome experience. And um I think obviously when you're playing against guys that are at a different level, you, you get pushed and uh, you get challenged, and I think that's ultimately how you get better. So going the other way, because uh, people have said for years that you know people around the world they still kind of look their nose down at U.S. soccer. Yeah, one because we call it soccer, probably. But um, <laughs> uh, what's what's is has American soccer come up in quality to the European league? So we always look down our nose at the Canadian football league and say, oh, that would be like AAA here. Yeah, do they look down at us and say, oh, that that's more like they'd be like second tier? Yeah, they definitely do. Yeah, they definitely do. But it's changing. I mean, I think it's gotten so much better you know, over the last even five years. Uh, but definitely once upon a time, it was looked at kind of like a retirement league, and it still is by some people. The NASL um, really was like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, I think yeah. you, you see some of these big European players come over in their mid-30s, and it's like, okay, they can get one more big contract and live in New York or L.A. or something. But uh, it's changing now. Like, now MLS is signing young players who haven't really, like, maybe blown up on the European scene yet, but, like, are top players like that are getting scouted by top teams in Europe that are choosing to come to MLS. Um, so I think that's a, a big change that's affecting the overall quality of the league and, and kind of changing that dynamic. But I still think we're probably five, ten years out being really considered like a top league that's not looked down upon by the other top European leagues. And so within the USL, what's kind of the spread of talent? Is it is there a big gap between the best players and the Nazi? Because there's a lot of teams 
in the USL, yeah. and of course a couple in the NASL, which has to get things sorted. But yeah, yeah, yeah. in the second uh, tier, I'd, I'd say a lot of teams. I mean, I'd say the top to bottom in USL is less than the top to bottom in, in MLS. I mean, like a guy like okay. Sebastian Giovinco for me is like head over heels the best player in the league. Like the top top. The, the, the designated players in MLS, I mean, they essentially decide the teams. I mean, all the role players are pretty similar, um, and it's kind of like your big money players that make the difference. Um, in USL, I mean, I think it's getting better and better. I mean, the league has gotten so much better even since the first year that I've played in it. And I think the teams at the top now are, are starting to separate themselves than, um, from the teams that aren't maybe doing things the right way. Uh, I think you're going to see that more and more. But again, like in a league like USL, it's it's not where the top teams are just head over heels above everyone. The, the, the bottom teams can still beat the top team. I mean, I think you saw Atlanta tie Louisville the other day, and Atlanta has like two points or something. So I'd say there's more parity in, in USL. Um, but that's why people like MLS too. There's a lot of parity, so... That's uh, it, it's a weird league. Both are weird leagues in that sense. Yeah. What's it like playing against an MLS two team versus an independent team? Because, uh, I mean, the MLS two teams tend to have younger players. I remember hearing a quote from Fordyce last year saying he was afraid to tackle guys because they were like sixteen year old kids and he didn't want to <laughs> make anybody cry. But like, I, I'm curious, is there a difference? Do you feel a difference? Is the coaching different? I'm, I'm curious what that what that difference. Yeah, is. honestly, those games are they're unique um, and they can go a lot of different ways. I mean, sometimes you go out and you play uh, an MLS two team and they're playing like I don't know four or five teenagers, right. and obviously that's a different game. Um, and their goals and their objectives are different than an independent team like us. I mean, our our objective is to win the league. You know, right. their objective is to d- develop players for their first team. But with a kind of a setup like we have, like a lot of te- a lot of MLS two teams, especially, will send like better players to come play us because it's a better experience than it is right. at some other some other places. It's a real game, a real meaningful game in front of a lot of fans. So maybe they'll send guys I don't know twelve through twenty on their roster to come play us rather than maybe bringing up some uh, academy kids in reserves. So that's what's weird about it. I mean, you it's they're tough to scout too because you don't know who they're gonna right. have eligible until like I don't even know two days before the game. Right. So it, it's kind of always tough for us to have a clear idea of what we're gonna be matched up against. So are you guys gonna play Mitch this year? Is he getting <laughs> we do play PT them. In the, uh... He's hurt. Yeah, I think hurt. He's, oh, he's, he's out. He's out till yeah, I need to catch fall. up on the news. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we do play Atlanta. Yeah, next uh, not this Saturday. The following yeah. Saturday. Yeah. It would have been interesting to see Mitch come back. Yeah, here, yeah. I want to see him. Does the Bailey have a uh, chance? Mitch says yes. I mean, if Mitch says yes, it just kind of writes itself. That'd be brutal. I was happy to see Pat McMahon. Uh, yeah. playing uh, playing for Louisville. He's doing a great job. Um, yeah, because, I mean, you know, he was here the first year and then uh, didn't see him much last year, and we were always big fans of him. And then, yeah, <laughs> once Louisville came to town, I was like, wait a second, I didn't know that guy. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Pat's an awesome guy and just a true professional. I mean, I mean, he obviously played a big role in the first season and not so much in the second, but at the same time, I mean, he was still an awesome every single day of practice and always pushing whoever was playing in front of him and, and could 100% fill into that position at, at any time. And you obviously see his quality. I mean, he's, he's a, a very, very good player, and um, he's doing really well for Louisville. But uh, only positive things to say about Pat, and I'm sure everyone who's ever played on the team and all the coaching staffs would, would just echo the same thing. Except yeah. for his current team. That's the only negative about him. <laughs> <laughs> so take Take us, uh, take us in the locker room during the uh, the Pittsburgh game, because you guys, the first half wasn't too great, yeah. and then the second half, you guys came out on fire, attacking, 
I don't know. I, you know, that's why I have these guys here. So I guess I should talk soccer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just more of a, a blabber mouth. But, um, but anyway, I think you guys probably have opinions on that. You guys definitely made changes at halftime yeah, that, that you saw results right away. Yeah, I'm curious um, how those what, – what adjustments were made because you saw the ball being played in the middle of the field offensively for – what felt like the first time of the season, but that was, <laughs> I'm curious what those adjustments were. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, the scout on Pittsburgh was, they're either going to play a, a four, two, three, one, or they're going to play a th- some form of a three, four, three, which is almost, it's essentially five in the back. Um, so we thought they were going to play four in the back. Um, they came out and they were playing five in the back. So we, hmm. we had to make a couple on-field adjustments pretty quickly. The initial idea was to try to exploit them wide. I mean, that was kind of the idea. So uh, me as a winger, I mean, I was staying high and wide, trying to receive the ball on the touchline and essentially isolate my guy. But the way they were dealing with it was kind of uh, sending their their wing back and the one another center back all the way to me or Manu, the other winger. So basically when I would get the ball in those spots, it wasn't even really an advantage. It was a 1v2 at that situation, or best-case scenario, 2v2. But we obviously want to have numbers-up situations um, or a one-on-one where there's some space to exploit. So that was kind of the issue where with the formation they came out playing and the spaces that we were trying to exploit, like they were covering those spots, but they were leaving open gaps in the middle. So we've gone for halftime, and uh, Alan, Alan essentially said, okay, listen, this isn't working. Um, we're gonna th- we're gonna completely kind of redo what we're doing. We're gonna play this formation that we haven't played yet, um, but we think it's gonna be successful uh, against the way that they're playing. So we changed it. We played a four four two diamond. Essentially, you pretty much with the diamond, you play four center mids kind of. So Richie played the holding. You push up Corbin as a as another eight, and you put Nods at the other eight, and I played the ten. And Monty went to a, kind of a second striker, and Danny played the high man, and you keep the same back four. But that essentially put kind of bodies in the, the pockets of space that they were leaving open, and I, I think that's why you instantly saw so much more success for us. And uh, you could find players in areas where they were way more open, and we weren't kind of falling into their game plan, where it was I think they maybe have scouted us and, and saw we try to we try to play wide, and, and that's kind of how they were, were adjusting. So. Um, yeah, I mean, we we saw some a ton of success instantly, and it was those twenty minutes of the of the second half were maybe some of the best soccer we've we've ever played in club history. And yeah, it was, you guys could have put up ten goals. I think <laughs> it was, was electric like, in that stadium. Yeah. I mean, it was it was fun to be a part of. But uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes that happens. You know, like you can have a plan and everything, but once the Mike Tyson quote, you get punched in the face, your plan goes out the window <laughs> right, or something. So, right. No, it was a, it was an inc- it was an awesome adjustment and, and and made a big difference in the game. So so it was really the coach's adjustment because the legend that uh, I've heard from the. Game <laughs> game is that that the players were all like coach we gotta do this we gotta go to this formation that, not that wasn't this how time. it was no, not this Dang time. It. Yeah. does he ever listen to you guys yeah <laughs> I get, sometimes you no? know? i get the <laughs> feeling the two wingers wouldn't ask to remove wingers but i could be wrong about that <laughs> uh, so was that was the diamond midfield something you guys had practiced before or was that we had it this year i mean we we had talked about that actually last season um a little bit like that was kind of one of the things we were potentially doing we never actually did it yeah um but i mean all, all these we've all played on so many different teams that we've kind of all played that at some point but yeah i mean i I hadn't played at the 10 in, in a while, probably since, I don't know, high school or, or college maybe. Yeah. But uh, the way it was set up like gave me a lot of space and, and a lot of uh, chances to kind of run at their back line, which I really enjoyed and, and, and just kind of thrived in that spot. So I, I really liked it um, with how it went and, and the way we were playing. But it's definitely a lot a lot different than, than playing out wide um, and kind of the, the, the playing style and the objectives change when you yeah. switch to that formation. Are we going to see it again or uh, was that it? 
We'll see. You know, I mean, I'm not trying to give uh, too much away on the podcast. I'm sure there's a lot of Ottawa fans listening. So, uh, no, I, mean, I think That's we could definitely sure. see it come back. Uh, well, this won't air until after that. Uh, <laughs> Spill the beans. Let's go. Yeah. 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 The whole, the whole the Atlanta fans are scouting this for sure. So we'll see. I mean, we got a, a couple different ways that we like to play, but I think with that going so well, it's definitely thrown in the mix now. If it gets pulled out again, who knows? But uh, I think it definitely becomes an option with, with uh, the success we had with it. For is sure. Bailey going to have a chant next time they see it? Uh, the diamond chant? Diamonds yeah. are forever. <laughs> this club does like diamonds, huh? I mean, it's like on the jerseys. Bring them on out, right? Yes, Bavarian diamonds. That's right. Back yeah. to our roots. I'm not sure I want the marketing department determining like the tactics, you know, just to keep everything consistent. But, you <laughs> yeah. know, it worked out. It it's worked a master out. plan, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a distinct aesthetic for soccer <laughs> we found out. We've gotten some uh, some nasty emails from oh. some hardcore fans really? telling us uh, – you know, we need to change some design elements here and there because they're not, they're not. Oh, really? They're not traditional. Or, really? Uh, yeah. Wow. And at that point, we're just like, hey, we're just trying to make shirts that people buy. And for the well, most part. Somebody wanted us to make shirts that say soccer because they say, well, they, it's it's called soccer other places in the world. Yeah. Australia and Canada. And that's, and that's the end of it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, because they thought, you know, this is kind of going in the opposite direction. But the, the thing I don't like about uh, soccer these days is. I, I'm a very big European person. I love European soccer. Yeah. But I love when teams are named with North American names. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't go in for, you know, like FC Cincinnati, fine name, but, you know, we used to have the Cincinnati Comets and the Riverhawks. And the, <laughs> I just like, I just <laughs> like North American I like names. I like, no, I like every, everybody. Everyone's FC. You know, it's just like FC Dallas, FC, you yeah. know, just, I know. I just like, so, the, so I like the North American. I'll offer, FC Sprinkles? Right, right. <laughs> I'll, I'll offer Cincinnati Sprinkles. <laughs> I'll offer the alternative take, which is if you start off with a boring name, you let a cool name develop. So you can let something more interesting come out of that. Like and kind of be unofficial. Yeah, like New yeah. York City FC. The dumbest name you could come up with. It's named after their parent team. It's really, really boring. It's lame. But the fans have come up with a nickname, The Pigeons. And okay. no team in the world is going to yeah. name their team The Pigeons. But the fans kind of went with it. It's kind of stuck, and it's got this nice little thing going with it. Or even in the USL, huh. we've got the Real Monarchs, right? So... Lame name again, uh, but the nickname is now the Butterflies, named after the monarch butterfly. You okay. weren't ever going to get that without it. So I kind of okay. like the idea of letting you letting like, the history develop you itself. Like butterflies? Uh, <laughs> and pigeons, apparently. I'm not anti butterfly. That seems like a hard take to have. But <laughs> well, the old North American Soccer League, you know, you had a lot of the California Surf and the Colorado Caribous and. Yeah, some great. The uh, Toronto Blizzard, Colorado Caribou had fringe on their uniform. I'm not sure how far we want to go in that <laughs> direction. They had a nice fringe on their on their shirts. <laughs> and even indoor soccer, the Cleveland Force. Ooh. Yeah, that's Cincinnati kids. Cincinnati kids for one season. And um, if you think about it, uh, Kevin and I actually had this discussion the other day about how bad of a name the Chicago Fire and San Jose Earthquakes are, given the yeah. natural disasters that killed their own citizens. <laughs> so I mean, it's a rough one to yeah. have. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. I don't know. Soccer names can get weird. <laughs> So, so everybody loves, you know, the excitement that Bailey brings. Yeah. But at uh, a certain point in the game, are you, like, you know, trying to concentrate and you're just like, damn, is that Yankee Doodle? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I honestly think it... Uh, or you just tune it out and... Well, f- honestly, for most of the game, you're obviously you're focused on the game. Yeah. Um, and, and you kind of don't really hear anything that's going on. And Good. It <laughs> f- feels like you're just playing, I don't know, in front of nobody. But... Uh, 
there are certain moments where, in particular, like the second half against the Pittsburgh game, where like the fans were like bringing a lot of momentum and energy to us, and like we feed off that and, and thrive from that. So, uh, I mean, I mean, I think they have a massive effect on on kind of pushing players a little extra, making us work a little harder, and kind of give us that push that we might need sometimes to to get the result or score a goal. So, I mean, I, I definitely think that they have a. A, a very positive effect for, for, for us sure. for the game. Is um, there any stadium in the USL that compares that you've played at? No, yeah, gonna, no not even It was a different goal. I mean, I imagine Louisville fans are pretty fervent, but I guess Pittsburgh fans, they, they still have trouble have, getting a following there. I don't think they have fans. Yeah, all yeah, 200 yeah. of them are real excited. <laughs> no, say, I mean, is, it, uh, is it different visiting? Do you dread visiting one city over another because of the fans, or is it your well, The game definitely is different. I mean, yeah. I think when you play in front of 30,000 people, um, just like the pure energy in the stadium and, and kind of the dynamic of the game is much different than when you're playing in front of 15 people in Bethlehem <laughs> a couple weeks ago. Um, so yeah, it, it is strange because the games are different and they feel different. But at the end of the day, they all count the same amount of points, so we have to go get the job done, whether there's 30,000 or, or 30. Um, Are there any away games that you look forward to based on uh, uniqueness of stadium? Like, we brought up Pittsburgh. They don't have any fans, but their stadium's kind of cool yeah. in the background. No, I think there's some cool places to play. I mean, Tampa's always cool to go to. Okay, like, uh, they, they got a cool stadium and everything and the quality field and, and, yeah. and good fans. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I like going to Bethlehem and Harrisburg just because it's near my family. I mean, those are definitely two of the maybe – less ideal places to play. Okay. Do you find fans um, are more knowledgeable in different cities? Because you know, this has always been a baseball town. And one of the first things that surprised me, I went to a Reds-Pirates game when I first moved just back in the 90s. And the Pirates turned a beautiful double play. And the Reds fans applauded. Yeah, they were oh, moving. Wow. And they hate the Pirates. Yeah. They did, that was a nice double play. So do you find fans that, you know, in some markets know what's going on and others are just kind of getting familiar with the game? Uh, not in particular, honestly. A lot of the markets we go to aren't that big, to be honest. Um, so all the people that come out to the games are probably soccer diehards. Yeah, but I haven't noticed in particular, but I mean, that definitely is a thing, um, obviously, throughout Europe. I mean, I remember going to a Barcelona game several years ago, and they made like a good play out of the back where they just kind of played out of pressure and the fans started applauding where (laughs) that wouldn't happen here. Um, So just in America in general. But I think it's as more and more people are watching more soccer and coming to more games and learning about it and more kids are playing growing up, I, I think that culture will kind of change for sure. I never really watched a ton of soccer growing up, so really my first uh, FC Cincinnati game, you know, the, the home opener, I was, uh, you know, asking people around, like, hey, what's going on there? Why'd that, why'd that happen? You know, I was totally like, I was, saying, I was like a girl watching football. <laughs> I'm just like, is that a first down or what's that? What's, what's that yellow? Oh, Whatever. But anyway, yeah, so, so, so since then I've, I've learned a little bit, but I, I was – Always kind of impressed on how knowledgeable the fans were sitting around us. Yeah, because yeah. I honestly thought they'd just be a bunch of people like me, just like there to see the funny ball kick around. <laughs> and, hey, we can get out of here on time. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and whatever. But to be honest, I think it probably started a lot like that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you can learn it pretty quickly, and I I really do think the more you learn it and the more you understand it, the more you actually enjoy the game. And I think it's a sport that kind of gets better and better the more complex things that you see because uh, i mean obviously the american arguments like okay there's not enough goals scored in soccer like zero zero one nothing i don't want to go see that but the goals are not the only exciting thing that happens in a game i mean there's a yeah. lot of like things that are going on tactically and uh even just situationally that, that are very exciting and i think even from the first season to now like the fans have learned a lot and and they are recognizing maybe things that they wouldn't have recognized in the first season so i think it's, it's gotten better and better yeah i just remember 
you know, like, like Sean O'Coley, he was the guy scoring the goals. And I was like, yeah, Sean O'Coley, he's the best player. And these, <laughs> these dudes in front of us who were, they were like, they really would just like ride him the whole game. Like, dude, you're, you're standing, you're standing. Oh, no. He's you're a great player. Nothing. You're <laughs> he's a great player. I mean, it was, I'm like, wait a second. So he's not good? I thought he was good. I don't know. It, it was. And everyone's got their Time opinions, like you know. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> sometimes the fans can be brutal. That's true. We were, uh, yeah, where's this hate coming from? We were out getting a drink but, after the game the other week, just kind of a couple guys like relaxing, and we're just sitting, standing at the bar, talking and stuff. And uh, some girl, like she, like starts pointing to me, like, and I'm like, oh, I guess I'm like, uh, <laughs> and she's like, uh, she's like Jimmy. She's like, are you Jimmy? I'm like, I'm like. Kind of put my chest. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, like I'm Jimmy. Like, what's up? She's like, you have absolutely no left foot. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh. like, that's not what I was expecting, but uh, I appreciate your honesty. Yeah. So I mean, sometimes I'll just tell you how it is. Oh man, that's a great story. Well, you're that means about we made the... it as a fan base. I'm in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're talking about the World Cup kind of made you a fan in 2002. Yeah. In 2010 was the first year I actually had a chance to watch a lot of games because one, a lot of games were on. And just the schedule I was working allowed me to see a lot yeah. of games. That's when I and I followed soccer my whole life. But it was during that 2009 World Cup that I finally realized what the rest of the world was really seeing. Like, yeah. oh, now I really get why. Because, like you're saying, there's a lot of other things besides goals that are going on. It's like, For sure. and why is you know scoring a few goals a game isn't very exciting, but is scoring 110 points in basketball that much more exciting? Because yeah, absolutely. It's, it's no, the, it makes it the same problem in reverse. You know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, that's how I see it. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think especially when you're watching the World Cup, I think the the normal person and an average viewer can kind of see that passion that maybe they have seen. Especially at the top before. level, I mean, yeah. It, the World Cup is something different, you know. Like mm-hmm. even compared to like the normal European soccer leagues, the World Cup is it's a different class, a different level, and uh, a different drive to win, which I think people enjoy. What about uh, conditioning? Like how many how many miles do you guys? run like a, a typical game I mean I could call Austin Barry right now he tracks all the <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 know. He, they track exactly how far we run every single day at practice every single game uh, track our heart rate I mean there's wow. the sports science and like information side of the game has come so far in, in the last couple of years and uh, another credit to the organization I mean like now we have all this stuff we didn't have this before and it definitely makes a difference in how the coaches plan their sessions and, uh, and manage us so I don't, I don't even know exactly what the numbers are. I mean, I think in in a normal game you run somewhere between seven and eight miles or something. I think that's what they say. Yeah. I, I don't actually know. Jeez, what's but, your uh, one mile time? <laughs> I haven't ran. I honestly haven't ran like one mile like as fast as I could like on a track or something since I don't know middle school. <laughs> um, but I did win the turkey trot in in, in fifth grade. Oh, that's, man. that's a mile race around Deep the school. Right there. So. Okay. Yeah. People don't forget. I yeah, guess. I mean that kind of was my uh, my claim to fame and made me cool in school. And Chicago like, Fire, Columbus Crew, Turkey Trot. <laughs> Honestly, Turkey Trot's the number one. For me, so. Yeah. So fifth um, grade, what was that? 2012. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was right around a couple years ago. Yeah. How much does practice revolve around like in-game scenarios? Is it a lot of you know sessions and drills and things like that, or is it? I don't know. Is there game day scenario type things? A lot. I'd say most of it is revolved around kind of how we want to play. Um, even like the the technique or, or skill based exercises that we'll do every day will be set up in a way that works with a concept or something that we're we want to imp- implement. So like even today we we had the we'll essentially do kind of a warm up and then a technique like a passing drill and then go into something a little more competitive like a 
possession or small like small side of game or something. But even the yeah. passing drill will have some sort of con- concept like maybe a third man runner or something that we'll work on. So um, it's kind of ingrained in everything, I would mm. say. Uh, but at the same time, you're also working on the, the technique stuff every single day. Right. Yeah, I, I remember that game. Uh, I forget where you guys were. You're on the road. The game was rained out. And then it's like, ah, oh, the guys get a nice break. You know, they're playing all these games, U.S. Open Cup, whatnot. Nope. Look on Instagram, and everybody's at the hotel gym doing, uh, getting on the treadmill. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, I forgot about that. Was coach in Miami. made you guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know, that, that, was, that was the time that the, the game got rained out, though. Yeah. The U.S. Oh, yeah. Open. So that was people fun. traveled down for that, too. And, oh. Yeah, there were a lot of people that traveled down. I've never seen that much rain. I do remember that after the game, though, and we all had, like, a workout to do. It was just like a tiny little hotel gym, and guys are fighting over like three treadmills or something. <laughs> so uh, me and my buddy Aaron Walker, we're, we had to do some sort of run or something. We go up to to Alan, and we're like, "Listen, like, can we like run around the hotel or something? Like, we're never gonna we're never gonna get on the treadmill." He's like, "Actually, that's a great idea. I'm gonna come with you guys." <laughs> so so me, Alan, and Aaron Walker, we. <laughs> Basically ran floor to floor in the hotel, went up the staircase, ran the next floor, <laughs> up the staircase, ran the next floor for, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. But uh, nice. you got to do what you got to do sometimes, Jeez. you know? Yeah, there's some limitations. Does Alan ever get pissed off and scream? Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's yeah. so soft-spoken in that accent. I, I can't imagine him actually getting mad. Oh, he does. Yeah, he gets mad at us. Yeah. I'd say... Uh, <laughs> He's always keeping us on our toes, you know. But I mean, that's that's his that's his job, you know. And uh, he's always pushing us to become better. And it's uh, him looking for ways to to make us better. And I mean, right. is it is it tough to hear sometimes? Yeah, but we want the honesty, and that's what we want as players. And uh, I mean, we can take that and handle that. But yeah, you know that. Uh, that beautiful South, uh, oh that beautiful South African accent. I mean, I've I've heard it maybe up a few tones. <laughs> question uh, a lot of people are asking is, uh, or, you know, this this team has to gel. This team has to gel. So the question is, has the team gelled? Are you guys gelled? What does that look like? I don't yeah, know. I mean, I, I think it's getting better and better each week. Um, I don't think you can necessarily. Like, I don't think sometimes the results replicate how well a game went. Sometimes um, and. <coughs> I think the playing in each game has improved. I mean, obviously the first half of the Pittsburgh game was not ideal and didn't go exactly how we wanted to, but you see some moments in the second half where it's like, wow, like maybe things are starting to click. And if you really think about it, I mean, this is essentially a brand-new team. Um, I mean, there's, I don't even know what the number is, 17, 18 new players in the team. And it's not easy just to kind of throw a bunch of new pieces together and get the chemistry. I mean, it takes time and it takes game scenarios and... um, and playing the same people with each other to really kind of figure out what a person's going to do in a certain situation. So is it completely there yet? No, I think it's going to still take more time. Um, but I think it's getting better and better and it's, uh, it's going the right direction. So obviously we want it to happen sooner than later, but, uh, (laughs) I think it's going to happen when, um, just more time is, is dealt with, with each other. And and hopefully we end up peaking at the right time and leading into a a successful run in open cup or in the playoffs or or something along those lines. So, yeah. Is the, is the team focused a little more on the open cup this year rather than last year? Cause I have to imagine it wasn't really on the radar last year. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously that is one of our goals. I mean, it's a big goal of course, but we do want to win the open cup. Um, but obviously that would be an incredible feat. But, um, I, I mean, I think after, Last season, you see that it is possible. Um, it's, it's. I think there's a story about a guy who ran the first 
four minute mile or something. It took, I don't know, a hundred years or something for the first person to break four minutes. And then it took one month after that for like 10 other people to break four minutes. So it's like kind of once you see, you can do something like, listen, we beat two MLS teams, you know, it's like, okay, well, why can't we do that again? So, I mean, that obviously is the goal and the objective. And yeah, maybe we, I guess we, we might be taking it a little more seriously. I mean, the squad this year is, is kind of built for that. I mean, there's a lot of depth in this team that's very unique uh, out of any team in the league. And it's so we don't have a drop-off when we rotate or, or play a, a ton of matches due to uh, the Open Cup. So, yeah, I think it's probably more of a priority this year. But um, still, I think the league probably is the ultimate priority. I love it. Uh, I love anything that gives more attention to the Open Cup. It's like my favorite thing in all of sports is the <laughs> fact that this thing has been around yeah. since like 1914. It's everything the NCAA tournament should be, but bitter, bigger and better. And it's great, the history with it and the fact that Cincinnati got to put a pretty big stamp on that that yeah. history i love it that's brilliant i mean i when i was in philly we went to two u.s open cup finals um both played at home in philly i mean i didn't play in either of the finals but i, I just remember being there watching and just uh the excitement of, of, of a cup final and, and having something on the line i mean i think it's something the fans can kind of attach to maybe a bit more than uh, playing for three points um just because that's kind of Right. how the American fans built. And I think that's something that was so special about the the Columbus and Chicago and, and New York and Miami, all the Open Cup games last year, that there's just so much on the line for one game, it kind of changes everything. So, yeah, it's an awesome tournament, and I hope it it keeps getting more publicity. And, it, and more and more games are on ESPN now, and uh, I hope they get some of the more early round games on, though. I mean, you look at, I think there was a team, Kristoff, last oh, yeah. year that yep. ended up upsetting a couple at the USL team. It went one up one Oh on DC until they came back and <laughs> ended up DC? winning. It was, that was um, such a good goal too. <laughs> but I mean, I think those, I th- yeah, it was an incredible free kick. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> but I mean, I think even those games are so exciting and, and the more attention I think we can bring to the tournament, the better it is uh, for everyone. I think it's first or second Wednesday in May is like, it's that, that time from like 5 PM to about one in the morning. It's just, 80 amateur games going on all over the country, varying qualities, varying fields. Most of them are on like high school football fields and stuff. It's the best thing ever. Just goals happening everywhere. People are are trying their butts off to get to play against a couple of pro teams. You'll see a couple of names. You're just like, oh, Oh, that guy, that guy's playing amateur in Miami. All right, I go for it, man. Like, it's so. It's what, a really what's good the qualifying time. for the cup? I mean, what? How far down is it? So all pro teams get in immediately. So that's that's already a given. And then you have to win your little pod in the NPSL and PDL. Uh, those, that's basically your fourth division of American soccer. And then there's the local qualifiers, the uh-huh. teams that are literally pub teams. You know, the group of guys that, you know, are a bowling team, one, you know, in the yeah, winter yeah. can be a, a soccer team in the summer. Uh, that's your Christos. I think all those guys worked at a liquor store. Yeah. Like, that's literally their story. Wow. wow. And uh, you win a couple of, you know, local tournaments, and all of a sudden you're playing DC United. And, you know, 2,000 people show up at your game. It's the best thing that can happen in sports. I <laughs> wow. love that tournament. It's good for all of us, though. You know, it's like, because obviously the, the MPSL and the PDL are kind of the two big summer leagues where top college players are playing so it's i mean these are kids who some of them will be playing in mls or usl in the future so these are good players but it kind of gives their their games in the summer like an incentive it's if you win i don't even what is your conference or i don't know if you need to win the league title but that gets you in this opportunity to play against a usl team or an mls team and that gives them eyes i mean so it's uh i think it's good for all levels but yeah it's a blast i mean i've I've played in the Open Cup, I don't even know now, 
seven years. I've played in it every single year. And I've played against my buddies a couple times, actually. <laughs> like, when I was playing in Philly and on, on loan with uh, with Harrisburg, we've played against some of my friends, uh, their PDL or, or yeah. NPSL teams. So, yeah, it's uh, the history is amazing, and it's something awesome. And it's obviously a European tradition as well, so... It's like, a fun time, man. Yeah. Next year, you could be uh, playing against a uh, Paul Nicholson coached uh, wow. Dutch Lions. <laughs> That's not a team I would want to run into, you know. <laughs> oh, I've got a question. So I was, I'd, I'd heard I might have this this opportunity to ask you some questions. So I was, I was coming up with like ridiculous dumb questions and whatnot. Like, <laughs> oh, all right, I'm excited for this. Right, here's yeah. some good ones. No, so uh, I don't know uh, if there was a former FC Cincinnati player that you could stick on this roster. Be it for on-field performance or locker room guy, there's wow. a guy you could recall back into this team. Who who would it be? Jeez, I mean, honestly, that's a tough one because there's so many. You know, um, <laughs> I think he said GB. That's oh, I mean, the thing is, we have like we've had so many good players play for the team, and there's so many good players playing for it now. Very diplomatic. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one. I know, I know. I mean, the two, you I mean, can't the two for it. me, I, I mean, obviously for different reasons. I mean, Andrew Wiedemann is a top player and top friend of mine, and Harrison Delbridge is a top player yeah, and top friend of mine. Much for sure. um, <laughs> so, I mean, I'm definitely partial to both. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Describe the uh, the Wiedemann bromance, you guys. <laughs> it seems like uh, you guys are always always showing up on Instagram together and whatnot. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, yeah. Are, are you usually close with uh, other players, or is it kind of is it kind of tough because you know people are coming from all over the globe, and you might not have a lot in common with you know people or whatnot? Yeah, or, no. I mean, I've had. A, I mean, obviously, you get you get really close with a lot of guys over the years, and um, I actually I didn't know Wita, but I'd known of Wita um, through some some of my best friends I've played with in Philly. Uh, one of my best friends, Ryan Richter. Uh, who I played with in Philly, played with Wida in, in Toronto and Ottawa, and they were like best friends. So I ended up meeting Wida at his at this guy Richter's wedding, actually. Whatever, like I mean, this is whatever year or two before we were coming out to Cincinnati. But then when this all happened, I, I he was one of the names I knew. My other buddy who came out, Antoine Hopeno, was another one of my best friends. Him and Wida kind of become became really good friends at first, and then it was me, Wida, and him. We all became good friends. And, I mean, Wida played my position and was kind of a more experienced older player um, who I looked up to a lot, honestly. I mean, he was kind of like a, a mentor or somebody who I could learn a lot from, um, and we became very close, and kind of this, I don't know, whole bromance thing started happening, <laughs> and we just kind of ran with it and maybe kept <laughs> snowballing it a bit, but I mean, we just... like a buddy cop movie or something. Oh, like Somebody needs to get you guys a... a I'm surprised that hasn't happened that. yet, you know? We're still waiting for that. I mean, he's he's got the firefighter uniform. Maybe it's a buddy firefighter uniform kind of thing going on. We were talking about that the other day. No, after we beat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, We put out the little candle. Okay, no, I remember. I don't know if he ever. We had. He had one playing for the Red Bull one, too. Oh, that was put out. Uh, Wasn't as good as the fire one, though. That one is absolutely. That one was fun, yeah. I don't know how the guy gets away with some of that stuff. (laughs) Um, Here's one. So I posted in the Bailey Facebook group before. I got here that yeah. we'd be able to ask you questions and the first one someone asked was do you have a favorite Cincinnati beer or brewery Ooh. <laughs> who are the team I sponsors I like all of them <laughs> uh, who do I need to appease <laughs> um, I like I guess I like the Rhine guys beers a lot I, I, I'm not like a big craft beer guy to be okay. honest but I like the Cougar a lot it's just kind of like light and okay. easy to drink uh, sure. tastes a little bit like Bud Light and, um, <laughs> I kind of like the bubbles though too oh. the bubbles <laughs> Like, yeah. See, Kenny Walker's gluten free right now, so he crushes the bubbles. Like, yeah. that's, and we just roast them. Like, Kenny, what are you drinking a bubble? <laughs> but uh, no, I guess the Cougar is probably my favorite one. But okay. uh, 
Mitch's beer was pretty good at um, uh, Listerman. Listerman. Yeah. I like the the Blood Orange IPA, the FC Cincinnati yeah, beer. More like yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the Matry ones too. Um, I honestly don't even know the names of them. But no, I, I guess I would go with the Cougar for my, okay. my go-to, which is a pretty boring answer because it's now. like the lightest beer. But, no, uh, it's a good answer. I found, yeah. I found it very Cincinnati and that that's the first question. Oh, that yeah, they yeah. Had. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. At least it wasn't a damn skyline question. <laughs> <laughs> a question I've always wanted to ask and I've never had answered before. Uh, I've, I've been looking for it. I hope I can give you that <laughs> answer. No, 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 no. What? What's the meaning of life? Like, what are we going for here? <laughs> if you had a million dollars. No, um... <laughs> What was or what is the biggest difference between playing for John Harks and playing for Alan Koch? The biggest difference, um, or some of the differences that maybe come to mind. Yeah, I mean, honestly, they're both great coaches and they do a lot of things similar. The biggest difference, I mean, I guess, I mean, they kind of have like in some sense a similar philosophy. I would, I would say, in, in Alan's system, it's a bit more structured, where. Maybe there's there's more specific movements and, and roles that uh, he wants us to do to, to create success for us, where Harks maybe was more kind of fluid and just kind of players figuring out certain situations and, and letting them kind of do their thing. Um, so I guess that would be the, kind of the, the biggest difference. But, I mean, I think they both honestly play like playing the same style. I mean, they want to dominate games and, and, and kind of be the team that's uh, controlling the tempo and, and play an attractive style of, uh, of soccer. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they are very similar in a sense, but uh, I think the biggest difference is Allen is, is kind of more structured and maybe John was a little more fluid. But, I mean, I think both are, are great coaches, and I honestly have learned so much from both of them. It's, uh, I mean, all my time here has been, been massive for my uh, personal development and, and just for overall enjoyment, but uh, I really enjoyed working under both of them. What's the biggest difference uh, from season one to to now, as far as like amenities in the locker room, uh, yeah. you know how you're treated around town? Like you said, people are starting to recognize you. Uh, yeah, it's a lot different. You know, he got Nike jerseys now. And, <laughs> you know, like like is there something like wow, maybe we're finally getting some respect? Yeah, I mean, I no, 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 absolutely, I finally. But uh, I mean, there's honestly there's so much. I mean, I think you look back at just the general like staff that the team had year one. I mean, we had Matt Schisler, who uh, is, I guess he's one of the video guys now. I mean, he was probably doing like five jobs. Like he was the video guy, he was the <laughs> kit man, he was the driver. I mean, this guy, he did literally everything. And now we have a person in every single position, you know. And um, I think everything just runs a lot more s- smoothly now. Everything's figured out. I mean, and there's no really hiccups anymore. It's, it's very easy for the player. I mean, we used to never have any food after practice, and then in, in partly in year one, we started sometimes getting food, you know, and uh, now we have food every single day after practice, like mm. it's a priority, and, and that's obviously massive for recovery from the session and everything. I mean, yeah, we used you don't to, have to go to Wendy's and for my wallet, you know? <laughs> yeah, so, uh, right. Uh, I mean, we used to take these like little team vans to the airport and stuff. Now we take a coach bus. I mean, just like kind of a. Uh, Little things like that that don't seem like a big deal, like even in terms of like gear or like if something rips or something, like you had to kind of deal with it. Like now you'll get something new. Um, like all that stuff is, is so much better. Like the day to day stuff, everything like that is all figured out. And yeah, even in terms of just like going around the town and stuff, like I remember the first season, like we were kind of almost uh, 
like selling the team in a sense, you know, like I think every person on that year one team played a big part of it in helping grow this team and spending time with time with the fans and, and going to a bunch of different crazy appearances at the auto expo, <laughs> you know, all these little things that seem like maybe they, they don't matter. Um, I think played a, a big role in what has happened. And, and now we're going to bigger things. I mean, I, I'm getting invited to um, things that people know about, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Um, but no, I mean, and obviously like the, the recognition and stuff is something that, that also comes with it, which is super flattering and really cool. And, uh, uh, it's it's honestly crazy just to see how much it's it's grown. I mean, we used to take I don't know like eight connecting flights to get to <laughs> Philadelphia. Now we fly straight. So just like, <laughs> little things like that, like that maybe don't seem like a big deal. It's like they're preparing for the MLS or something. It's funny, you know. It's like they're starting to do things the right way, more professionally. And well, speaking of that, so? how does it compare now to your time at Union? Is it is, it, is FCC operating at a, a similar level, or are they yeah. still pretty far off? Yeah, I mean, definitely similar. I mean, I, since I've left Philly, I mean, they obviously have made big strides right. as well. Um, but my first few years in in Philly, we we didn't have a, a practice facility, which was we we had to drive to a local park that I guess the, the team owned or rented mm-hmm. or, or leased or whatever. And then by my last two years in Philly, they had their own practice facility and everything. But now they have yeah. this beautiful yeah. locker room. The power and, plant, yeah, right? Yeah. Weight room and whatever you need. But, um, I mean, I'd say FC Cincinnati at this point is kind of on the same level the union was my first year there. Like a MLS expansion site is how you'd describe it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think uh, – but the thing is, obviously, I think if the MLS bid comes, things will also change dramatically. Yeah. Um, I mean, the budget for the team is going to skyrocket. Everything will change. Um it would be much, much nicer. But I think even right now, it's uh, it's close to maybe the lower MLS teams in, turn of, in terms of just general amenities and everything like that. But I will say that just the overall recognition that the team has here is probably more significant than a lot of MLS teams. I honestly believe that. I mean, I remember we would go out on the town in Philly and we'd go to some bar or something and you're talking <laughs> to some girl or whatever. And you're like, yeah, I play for the Philadelphia Union. They're like... The teachers union, like, <laughs> they didn't know, you know, like, yeah, it's, yeah. like in a lot of these cities, the MLS teams are not a, a major team, but here, everybody knows what yeah. FC Cincinnati is. You're I mean, the only pro sports team in town. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a buzz here, you know, and it's different. And uh, I think the players don't get the same recognition that we get here in a lot of MLS teams, unless there's lots on Ibrahimovic or something. Right. So I think that's a, a cool, unique experience about playing here as well. No other uh, cities have uh, cool t-shirt companies doing that. No, you know, there's no Philly shirts. Cincy shirts is really top dog. What is it? Yeah, give CincyShirts.com a visit, you know? (laughs) For sure. Yeah, maybe we should start doing them for all the teams. No, we're we're homers for sure. But yeah, Jimmy, thanks for coming in. Uh, Our guest every week has the honor of giving out a promo code. That is awesome. good for 20% off from the Wednesday that this podcast drops all the way to the next Wednesday. Awesome. So uh, so what what code would you like that to be? Any word that they, um, can, they can type in at their checkouts? Shirtless Weta. 
Shirtless weirdo. Yeah. The shirtless weirdo. Too quick. 20% <laughs> off. And that's uh, shirtless, all one word. Yep. And a space, and then Weeda, W I E. W I E D A. Let's do A. D A? Oh, okay. I asked his wife what to do on the the bachelor party shirts. Yeah. Because it is spelled with an E in the actual name. You know, it's W I E, whatever, I E D E. Yeah. But I asked her and she. What she like when you call it Weta? She likes okay. putting the A on the back, so let's, right. let's put the uh, A there, you know. Awesome, but yeah, we uh, just to let the Cincy shirts fans know what's up. So we released a uh, new Jimmy T this week. This T is going to be available for thirty days only, and then it's going to be gone forever. So we'll sell twenty thousand of them if you guys buy them, but. When it comes to uh, June 1st, it's gone forever. So make sure your mom gets her order in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all She'll put in a couple hundred. Some of the McLaughlin's from, from Delaware or wherever else. Uh, like, ah, Jimmy's cousin's jumping in on the T-shirt game today. But, uh, so, yeah. So, so maybe we'll put up to a vote to see uh, the player T you guys want for June. But, yeah, we're going to do a, a monthly new release. Keep it, keep, keep it fun, you know. So yeah, so thanks for uh, for being a part of that, and I hope that we can, uh, yeah, help spread the love of uh, FCC here. Uh, anything else for you guys, Kevin and uh, Andrew? Thank you guys for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having we'll, us. We'll uh, hear yeah. you guys cheering in the Bailey uh, this we, weekend. We try to be loud. Atlanta. <laughs> uh, next weekend. Well, yeah. Next, well, oh, 505, yeah. Well, we're not going to release this until. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Ottawa <laughs> game is already next happening. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ottawa, we can crush this. We killed them. Jimmy with the hat trick. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. It was a great 7 0 win. <laughs> yeah. We didn't talk about it at all. It's like uh. we didn't even care. But, uh, but anyway, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see ya later. Say Jimmy's coming down across the alleyway. Up on the boulevard like a zip gun on parade. Lights on the silhouette. He's just a butternet. Coming at you on the count of one. My name is Jimmy and you better not wear out. Suicide commando that your mama talked about. FC Cincinnati player Jimmy McLaughlin, what a swell kid, right? Thanks to Andrew and Kevin from The Pride, the club's fan group, for joining us as well. Kevin is going to be on a future episode. Uh, you might have heard at the beginning us joke that it's his second time being in. He was actually in a couple days before to record his episode uh, that he will be on in a couple of weeks. He actually worked at the American Sign Museum here in Cincinnati, and we had a great chat with him about that. So look for that in the coming weeks. Today's show is produced by me, with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia, just like Jimmy. Uh, you can find them on Facebook, and of course, you can find that song in iTunes or wherever else you get your music. Find Vintage Tees from Philadelphia and other great cities like Cleveland, Louisville, Pittsburgh, Seattle, Portland, and more at oldschoolshirts.com. It's all one word. Don't put dashes or anything in there because it'll take you someplace else so you don't want to go. In case you missed it, the promo code for this episode is WIDA, and that's W-I-E-D-A. Uh, that's Jimmy's soccer buddy, uh, Wiedemann. There you go. And that is good at both CincyShirts.com as well as OldSchoolShirts.com. And we have soccer-themed shirts from a few other towns, including Cleveland, where we have an awesome Cleveland Force shirt, as well as the Stokers and the Cobras. We have soccer shirts from Pittsburgh, Chicago, and Atlanta, I know for sure, and probably some of the other cities as well. But it works on any shirt, not just soccer shirts, and you get 20% off your entire order. And again, if you're in the Cincinnati area, stop by one of our stores. We are in Over the Rhine at 1301 Main. We just moved down the street to that new location, so stop in and 
say hi. We're not kind of like in the middle of everything there in Main Street. We have a lot of neighbors with some cool shops and stuff. And we're only a block now from the streetcar stops. So that's pretty cool. We are in Hyde Park on Observatory at the corner of Edwards Road, a block from the square. And Loveland is coming soon. We were just there yesterday and they were working on our new store, uh, getting it cleaned out from the previous tenant. And they're going to start building our new store within the next couple of days. Uh, we said some other some of our new neighbors too, including Montgomery Cyclery and the Plaid Record Store, which is just behind us in that building. So we're hoping to open by June first. Fingers crossed. And in the meantime, download or stream us next time. Bye. Hey!